Chapter Twenty Five of the Heavenly Twins. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The Heavenly Twins by Sarah G. Chapter Twenty Five. A Maltese Miscellany. Death itself to the reflecting mind is less serious than marriage the elder plant is cut down that the younger may have room to flourish a few tears drop into the loosened soil and buds and blossoms spring over it death is not a blow is not even a pulsation it is a pause but marriage unrolls the awful lot of numberless generations health genius honor are the words inscribed on some on others are disease, fatuity, and infamy. Walter Savage, Landor The great leading idea is quite new to me, namely, that during late ages the mind will have been modified more than the body. Yet I had not got as far as to see with you that the struggle between the races of man depended entirely on intellectual and moral qualities. Darwin letter to a r wallace chapter one meanwhile the cohones at malta had been steadily making each other's acquaintance colonel cohone had met avadne on board the steamer on her arrival and had found her enchanted by her first glimpse of the place and too girlishly glad in the excitement of change the bustle and movement and novelty to give a thought to anything else the healthy young of the human race have a large capacity for enjoyment and they have also the happy knack of banishing all thought which threatens to be an interruption to pleasurable sensation when a thing was once settled it was avadne's disposition to have done with it and since she had come to satisfactory terms with colonel cohone and recovered from the immediate effects of the painful contest the matter had not troubled her she had perfect confidence in his word of honor as a gentleman and was prepared to find it no more awkward to live in his house and have him for an occasional companion than it would to be a guest of good position in any other establishment his own attitude was that of a kind of pleased curiosity he considered their bargain a thing to be carried out to the letter so long as she held him to it like a debt of honor not legally binding but morally and he was prepared with gentlemanly tact to keep faith without further discussion of the subject the arrangement did not trouble him at all it was original and therefore somewhat piquant and so was avadne they met therefore without more than a momentary embarrassment and his first glimpse of her fresh young face flushed with excitement and full of intelligent interest and of unaffected pleasure in everything was an unexpected revelation of yet another facet of her manifold nature and a bright one too what a pity she had views but there was always a hope the determination to live up to them was merely an infantile disease of which society would soon cure her society has views too it believes all it hears in the churches without feeling at all bound to practice any inconvenient precept implied in the faith 
Colonel Cahone had gone out on a government steam launch to meet the mail as soon as she was signaled, and finding Avadne on deck, had remained there with her, watching the wonderful panorama of the place gradually unfolding itself. He showed her the various points of interest as they came along, and she smiled silent acknowledgments of the courtesy. The sun was just dispelling the diaphanous mists of early morning, making them hang luminous a moment and then disperse, like tinted gauze that flutters slowly upward in a breeze and vanishes. Great white clouds, foam-like and crisp, piled themselves up fantastically and floated off also, leaving the deep blue vault to mirror itself in the answering azure of the sea. The eternal calm above, awful in its intensity of stillness, the ceaseless movement below, a type of life, throbbing, murmurous, changeful, more interesting than awe-inspiring, more to be wondered at than revered. Colonel Cahone pointed out the lighthouses of St. Elmo, patron saint of sailors on the right, and Ricasoli on the left. Then they were met by a rainbow fleet of Diazes, gorgeous in color, and propelled by oarsmen who stood to their work, and were also brightly clad, both boats and boatmen, clothed by the sun, as it were, having blossomed into color unconsciously as the flowers do in genial atmospheres. The boats carrying fruits, flowers, tobacco, cheap jewelry, and coarse clothing for sailors, each cargo adding something of picturesqueness to the scene, formed a gay flotilla about the steamer and accompanied her, she towering majestically above them, and appearing to attract them and hold them to her sides, as a great cork in the water does a handful of chopped straw. The boatmen held up their wares, chattering and gesticulating, their sun and brown faces, all animation and changeful, as children's. One moment they would be smiling up and speaking in wheedling tones to the passengers, and the next they would be frowning round at each other and resenting some offence with torrents of abuse. So the mail glided into the Grand Harbour, Evadne wondering at the fortifications and straining her eyes to make out somewhat of the symbols, alternate eye and ear, carved on the old watchtower of St. Angelo, noticing, too, the sharp outline of everything in the pellucid atmosphere, and feeling herself suddenly aglow with warmth and color, a part of the marvelous beauty and brightness, and uplifted in spirit, out of the everyday world, above all thought and care, into regions of the purest pleasure. What a lovely place, she exclaimed. It looks like a great irregular enchanted palace. It's very jolly, said Colonel Cahone, smiling upon the scene complacently and looking as important as if he were himself responsible for the whole arrangement, but was too magnanimous to mention the fact. I thought you'd like it, but wait till you see it by moonlight. We'll come off and dine with one of the naval fellows some night. I'm sure you'll be delighted. It's just like a photograph. Vodney found that Colonel Cahone had secured a good house for her and had bestowed much care upon the arrangement of it. It was the kind of occupation in which he delighted, and he did it well. 
he showed avadne over the house himself as soon as she arrived and what struck her as most delightful were the flowers and foliage plants which decorated every available corner and nearly all growing oranges and oleanders in great tubs and palms and ferns in oriental china stands and in majolica vases one only sees it for a ball at home she said or some other special occasion he looked at her keenly a moment her face was serenely content well this is a kind of a special occasion with me he said rather gloomily he went on as he spoke evadne following him from room to room pleased with everything and looking it which is a much more convincing token of appreciation than the best chosen words but when they came to the rooms which were to be hers she was quite overcome for colonel cahone had chosen two opening into each other as nearly as possible like those she had occupied at frailingay and had filled them with all the beloved possessions books pictures and ornaments which she had left behind her how good you are how very good you are she exclaimed impulsively i hope we shall be friends oh we shall be friends he answered with affected carelessness but really well pleased i thought you would settle better if you had your own pet things to begin with i had a great fight with your father about the books he said you'd got all your nonsense out of them but i suggested that it might be a case of a little learning being a dangerous thing so i captured all the old ones and i've got a lot more for you see here's zola and daudet complete and george sand you'll like them better i fancy when you get into them than herbert spencer and francis galton but i've got you some more of their books as well all that you hadn't got you're really too good said avadne getting her the books was like putting butter on the paws of a strange cat to make it settle she sat down beside them and began to take off her gloves at once colonel cahone smiled beneath his blond moustache then pleading regimental duty left her to her treasures assuring himself as he went that he really did know women exceptional or otherwise he had arranged the books himself placing zola and daudet in prominent positions and anticipating much entertainment from the observation of their effect upon her he expected that she would end by making love to him in which case he promised himself the pleasure of paying her off by acting for a time after the manner proposed by the barber's fifth brother when they met again avadne had read her mother's letter and she at once took him into her confidence about it what would you do if you were me she asked i should write to the papers he answered gravely as if he meant it he did not at all understand the strong simple earnest nature incapable of flippancy with which he had to deal nor appreciate the danger of playing with it and he never dreamt that she would seriously consider the suggestion i cannot understand why my father should continue to feel vexed about this arrangement of ours she said seriously we do not interfere with his domestic affairs 
why should he meddle with ours it is not at all his business do you think it is is taking it for granted that the arrangement was as satisfactory to him as it was to her and appealing to him in good faith against himself and his own interests as it were touched colonel cahone's sense of the ludicrous pleasurably it was always the unexpected apparently that was likely to happen with avodny and he appreciated the charm of the unexpected and began to believe he should find more entertainment at home than he had thought possible even at the outset of his matrimonial venture when all appeared most promising he got on very well with her father but nevertheless when it had at last dawned upon him that she was taking his suggestion about writing to the papers seriously it jumped with his peculiar sense of humour which had never developed beyond the stage into which it had blossomed in his subaltern days to egg her on to draw the testy old gentleman by threats of publicity it was his masculine mind therefore that was really responsible for her unnatural action in that matter in bygone days when there was any mischief afoot the principle used to be chercher la femme and when she was found the investigation stopped there but modern methods of inquiry are unsatisfied with this imperfect search and insist upon looking behind the woman when lo invariably there appears a skulking creature of the opposite sex who is not ashamed to be concealed by the petticoats generously spread out to screen him while the world approves man struts and crows taking all the credit but when there is blame about he whines street arab fashion it wasn't me cherchez la femme end of chapter twenty five recording by john brandon